Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of Associated Season 5. Super exciting. New year, new season. Francesca, who's also on the podcast today. How do you feel? How do you feel about being on season five of Associated? Well, I'm thrilled. Better. Not, not gonna lie. And happy new year to you. Mm-hmm. I have high hopes for the year of the ox, right? You've been celebrating Chinese yeah. New Year. Yes, I have. You know, I'm very excited for the year of the ox. I love that we have multiple new years so that you know, if my diet fails just 2021, I have like another, you know, I have Chinese New Year to look forward to and, and start my diet from today, which which is great. Uh, but yes, high hopes for this year in general. Vaccines out. So hopefully, you know, somewhat normal life can resume towards, I don't know, summer. I don't know. I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. Yeah, me too. Um, And I'm even more excited about the season five because, well, we just have a phenomenal person to start us off. So I'd love to welcome Biota Klein from Creandum. No, yeah, thank you so much. I'm I'm so happy to hear about, you know, Petra, you celebrating Chinese New Year. And as, as you said, starting off this new year, I feel super excited also to back a lot of interesting entrepreneurs and just get going and actually meet people physically. I think we're all craving to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, ready, ready for some hugs, some non-corona hugs. Exactly, sure. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was actually wanting to ask, how was your 2020? It was good. I think it was even better than I think most people. So I feel very fortunate that I came back to Sweden from Vietnam before Corona hits, which I obviously feel very happy about and got the chance to join Creandum in January. So I had actually three months to build up some social capital with my colleagues before going into this remote mode. So I think, you know, all in all, super fortunate. Of course, going into venture and doing it remotely is, is somewhat different than actually interacting with fellow colleagues or fellow entrepreneurs in a more physical setting. And it's not the you know, typical mingling or, or building a connection that way. But now I actually feel I'm so used to working in Zoom now. So it's actually going to be weird to reverse back and see how do I do venture in real life? Like, how do I do it physically? Even though I crave it, it's going to be, I guess, a learning process in itself because I'm more attuned to doing venture remotely over Zoom than doing it physically. Yeah, I think when, when I think back to sort of pre-2020, I'm kind of amazed at how we managed to do so many things in a day, mm. you know, running between meetings, then doing, you know, actual work and then a few events in the evening. It almost seems, yeah. you know, I, I would actually welcome a 50-50 sort of balanced approach in future if there's, you know, two days we can take from home. But yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to, to observe. Does does Creandum have a certain policy around, you know, how you're going to do things going forward? I think we're going to do exactly as you mentioned. We're going to do, you know, a few days remote, a few days in the office, whatever is best for each individual coming from, from Gothenburg. Of course, if I can go home one day or two in a month and, you know, recharge with my parents and get some, you know, fresh, fresh country air. Uh, that's always a nice way to energize and something I've been enjoying 
a little bit this year. Uh, so that's something I wouldn't want to take away, but still to be in, in Stockholm or Berlin or you in London, it's of course going to make a difference where you can kind of find hidden gems and actually be on the, on the ground. Mm, yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, before we get too far down the uh, the work from home, discussion, <laughs> um, I'd love a bit of an, an introduction and a background to yeah. Creandum. Yeah, so Creandum was started uh, 18 years ago now. So we've been we've been around for quite some time, actually. And um, I think we had the you know fortune to piggyback on some great entrepreneurs coming out of Sweden at that time. So Daniel Ek at Spotify, which, which you both know, and uh, Magnus Nilsson and Jakob Itigier with iSettle. So their, their fortune kind of brought us into venture and, and doing venture in Europe, not only in the Nordics. So now very much a Nordic firm. We have an office in Stockholm, Rhine based, one in Berlin, one in San Francisco. And, you know, the office in San Francisco is a little bit more for business development purposes for portfolio companies going into the US. It makes a lot of sense to have like a local partner who has done it before with our great entrepreneur and resident, Caroline Ingeborn. Uh, you know, had, heading up that uh, effort as well. So I think that's, that's you know, very much our take on, on what we provide as value as, as well to get European companies into the US. And uh, yeah, we, you know, we do your seed, seed and Series A, like ticket size wise, I think the smallest one we've written is 200K, the largest is 8 million. We're kind of agnostic in terms of what, which investments we do. So everything from I, we have one company in plant-based cheese and we have, you know, a lot of B2B SaaS software. So it's, it's everything in between. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much sums up Creandum. Nice. And, and Petra, you've got a portfolio company that's in plant-based cheese. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Is it the same one or is it a different oh, one? Yeah, yeah, we do. Our company is called Climax Foods. Um, and they're based out in, in San Francisco. I don't think it's the same one. No, ours is Noco Foods. Noco, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and ours is based out of Stockholm. It's actually uh, one of the entrepreneurs with, um, with Noco Foods, Suroj. We backed him in his earlier efforts with Video Plaza. And now when he came back and said, I'm going to start this new thing, it's going to be in plant-based cheese. We were yeah. very excited to, to support him on that journey. Yeah. It's interesting how a lot of food stuff is coming out of Sweden, like oatly. Mm, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that that's that's what happens when you have like a strong forerunner to some extent, and that creates some you know inspiration and know-how, and then the the wheel is in motion to yeah. to do more things within the same space. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm. I think maybe it's also. I mean, do you, is it also a cultural thing? Might be. So yeah, I think the typical Swede is, is very mindful of climate what you eat you shouldn't eat red meat and uh, not only because of your own health but, but because of the health of the planet in general so i guess we are a little bit of a forerunner to some extent in that space and then of course food in itself is a large contributor to the overall kind of climate change so it makes sense to focus on those areas yeah mm. yeah makes sense and Am I right in thinking that you guys are now on your fifth fund? Yes, that's that's right. So we that's raised amazing. it. Yeah, I'm so happy about it. We raised it in 2019. It's 300 million dollars. I think we have done like 15 or 16 investments out of that fund. We typically do like 25 or so. So we have a few more to to make of that one. And we actually reached our 100th investment just before the end of our last year. So that's that's always a nice kind of hallmark to. Um, to have 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and in terms of like how you distribute those funds, like how much of it is seed, how much is it series A, how much mm. do you reserve for follow on? Mm. Yeah, good question. Yeah, so half is reserved for follow on and not by design, more by coincidence or more by, more because we work in the early stages, about 50% is seed and 50% is series A. More recently, though, we have actually made two pre-seed bets which is a little bit, you know, on, on the earlier side of what we typically do. But it's also when you meet fantastic entrepreneurs, it's, it's hard to say no. Mm. And, and you said you're like a, a Nordic fund in your heart. Um, <laughs> but uh, curious to know, is it sort of all of Europe that you're, you're open to in terms of investment? Yeah, very much Global? so. Yeah, no, very much a kind of pan-European fund. So right now... I think 80% of our investments is in, in Europe as a whole. And then we have a few outliers where we back European entrepreneurs in the US or LATAM or distributed throughout the world. And of course, it's, it's, it's becoming increasingly hard to speak about European roots, to define <laughs> what is European roots. It's very hard these days. Uh, so I almost, you know, it's, it's weird to speak about it. But that, that is our core, you know, thinking that, where we where we play the best is with with European entrepreneurs, and we can provide a lot of value to to them. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, but I I'd say we are a very Swedish fund to some extent. But then we also have the San Francisco heritage of trying to do you know venture in a more American way, so to speak. And then we have the Berlin office, and they you now have their focus on execution and process. So we kind of put together all of those bits and pieces in what we think is a very good combination. Mm, no, I no, I like that, and it makes total sense that you've collected all the best qualities of the <laughs> we're trying to at least countries <laughs> and, and put it into one. Yeah, and and you know what I quite like about well, there are many things that I like about Creandum, but um, obviously it's like generalist, so it's pretty much anything goes. You're not restricted to geography. You've got um, offices in lots of different countries. Was that a big draw to you as to why you applied and and wanted to get a role at Creandum? Yeah so I think the reason for me really wanting to join Creandum was when I came back from Vietnam and having more of an operational experience I was thinking you know either I go into venture or I do something operational again and then I just started to explore okay if I join a startup be it earlier or you know perhaps a little bit later stage which companies would I want to join and then I just basically realized that all of the companies that I want to join is backed by Creandum in <laughs> one way or another. And that was just kind of the lore uh, of me go, wanting to go into venture and work with these, with these people because they obviously knew something I didn't. I mean, that makes complete sense that you're like, <laughs> yeah, like everything I like, um, yeah. <laughs> guys are doing. Um, are, are there any other things other than obviously their, their great taste in startup that drew you to Creandum specifically? That, and I guess that comes back to, you know, the, the team as it, as it always does. But I, you know, I, I remember flipping through kind of the team page and being impressed by everyone in the team, be it on the operational side or more on the investment side of, of the team. So I felt that everyone was someone that I can learn and, and work with. So it's not only kind of the great taste, but also what they've been managed to, you know, do prior to this. I remember reading the bio of or my colleague Sana, who's a competitive fencer and multi-sporter or whatever. Uh, and I was, you know, was taken aback by all the things she has she had been able to accomplish. 
What I also really love is the, the product focus at Creandum and how we very much, you know, we value the team, but we also have that DNA of looking at how is the product used, who is it very good for, which type of users love this and spend a lot of time within the tool and um, what can we kind of deduct or what can we think about in terms of a trajectory forward how this product will, will sit in the hands of users. So the, the kind of product thesis and having that strong DNA was something that really uh, was really thrilling to also having previously tried to, to build something myself. I know how hard it is to build great products. And so I'm also super impressed by those people who, who managed to do it in a great way. And maybe we could lead into that as well, because I'd love to learn more and understand more about your time in Vietnam and what you were doing at Frem. Uh, no, so it sounds, when I tell the story, it always sounds a little bit more adventurous than it really was. But the, the fact was that I met two Swedish guys who had formerly uh, launched companies and, um, and groomed companies together with Rocket Internet in Southeast Asia. And one of them being Lazada, which was then, I, as you know, sold to Alibaba. And then both of these guys, Chris and Max, decided to to deploy the capital in um, in Southeast Asia again. I guess they were very bullish about the region and still are, and and, I, and so am I. And um, they asked, you know, me and my co-founder, do you want to start a company with us? And I figure, you know, how often will someone ask you to start a company in Asia? <laughs> and I pro- figure, you know, probably this is the only time someone will ask me that question. Uh, so it was uh, an instant yes. And no, it was a great experience. We did all of the mistakes that you typically do and it's the rocket internet model. So you take one idea from one market, rip it apart and put it into another market. So I guess you can imagine kind of all of the mistakes we did, but all of the good things we, we also did. It's a lot of focus on, I guess, monetization and top line growth rather than product love, which was something I also craved to get back to. I guess that ties neatly into me wanting to join Creandum as, as I know that they had a very strong thesis around product. Got it. And and so the, the company that you founded was assisting clients in, in building whatever they, their digital product needed to be built for? or So so what I did within Fram, Fram has you know, separate legs. Uh, mm-hmm. One of, of them is basically an IT consultancy, but that's, that's a different leg in itself. So what I did was a typical venture builder. So we took one idea from China, from a company called Shangmen. I think it's also a company called VipKid that is pretty similar. It's online tutoring within the K-12 subjects, basically. And um, as you might be aware of, education is, is a very you know, lucrative or intense industry in, in Asia as a whole. And uh, we're you know, taking that online, which was tough because it's also a very offline community to some extent. So, but I guess what has been very fortunate now for the company is Corona. They have, you know, been been one of those who have benefited from this transition because you don't have a choice really of doing an offline tutoring session. You have to do it online, basically. So we we took one company. I think we were 25 people when I left. So not a huge one, but it's small machine up and running with a great core team. So it's something it's, it's still a little bit my baby. And we speak to many of the early employees to this day. That's so nice. What was the, the motivation then to say, okay, this is sort of the, the right time to leave? I think it actually came down to what I a little bit alluded to earlier mm-hmm. of us wanting to build something a little bit more product focused, mm-hmm. something with we, which we could, you know, 
say, okay, this is something that I want to use, or this is something that looks really nice in a kind of Western sense. Mm -hmm. uh, ours was very much as it is in the early days, an MVP scrappy parts that worked, but it wasn't a fluent experience. And I guess coming to that decision was a little bit in contrast with, with what our investors wanted us to, to do. And then we decided to, you know, part ways and say, okay, you want to focus on top line stuff and, and, and revenue growth. And we want to focus on building a product. And we decided that, you know, it's probably best if you find some with the same, with the same alignment. Great. And, yeah. and how, how do you think that this founder role, not, I mean, not only the founder role, but then also, you know, within a product space, how did that influence your, I guess, application to Creandum? Yeah, so I guess it brings a lot of empathy, right? It's always very easy to shoot down deals and say no to things. If you haven't been on the other side of the table, it's so easy, I guess, to do a reject or a pass. And I think coming in in a recruitment process and also being able to show empathy for founders, I think that's a little bit undervalued. Mm -hmm. It's, of course, important to find the three things that you can easily kind of shoot down a deal. But it's equally important to be able to say it in a nice way or perhaps, you know, even actually say yes to a deal. But because that is what we ultimately want to do, right? We don't want to say no to everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. And I think you recently wrote a really good article, which we'll definitely share, um, called Making Sense of One Year in VC. And one of my favorite parts of this article is the advice that Frederick Castle um, made to you about instead of just saying, no, this isn't going to work, we're not going to invest in this company, because that is really the easy answer right instead thinking what can we hope for for this to become really big and mm. I I love that quote <laughs> and it's such a good point that there's a million reasons why not to and to try and change your mindset to not think like that from the offset is only a positive thing and is probably why Creandum has that edge perhaps of spotting those those key attributes not necessarily in a team but in a product that's gonna make it the best on the market for that particular sector. So I, I'd love to kind of expand on on that sentence and and how you apply that to your daily work life when scouting <laughs> yeah. for a company. And um, no, it was actually a bit of a surprise to me as I also wrote in the article. When you go through a process of trying to break into VC, it's about being intellectually smart and sometimes that is shooting down deals. And I was so taken aback when he first kind of probed me and said, okay, what can we hope for for this to become really big, like multiple times? And how I work with it on a daily basis now is I, at least for all companies that I meet that I, you know, take it to a first meeting, I was trying to formulate in myself maybe three points of, you know, when I envision this company to be really big, do they have to have multiple revenue streams besides what they have now? Do we need to hope for the, the market to expand? Do we hope for them to take out incumbents? I try to formulate, okay, these are the three things that we hope for. It's just guesswork, but it's still a kind of nice exercise to do. And then to some extent, I guess you try to balance these thesis and try to see, okay, what is kind of the risk reward balance for these three or four or five or be it thesis. 
that you have now come up with. And then, of course, you try to probe with the entrepreneur and see, is this along the lines of the entrepreneur? And of course, this is just looking into the glass bowl, <laughs> given that a lot of things will change, but it's still good conversation that can turn into more of a visionary, forward-looking discussion than rather focusing on a kind of here and now and trying some sometimes it's very easy to look at a few numbers and say okay this is not good enough and then you discard the deal because of overthinking or over engineering and sometimes it's about you know lift, lifting your your vision a bit and seeing okay what can what can this become I love that and you mentioned some entrepreneurs and residents is mm-hmm. is part of their role to help you understand sort of what can this become because they've obviously been in the shoes of building that company up and you I think you could almost fall into a depression to see what your product looks like (laughs) at this point of time and you've just got to have that faith that it's going to become something amazing in the future because you've got to start from somewhere and and as you said even with your experience in Vietnam like (laughs) MVPs aren't glamorous things (laughs) (laughs) Um, they have a lot of issues Um, so like is the purpose of Creandum bringing in these entrepreneurs in residence to support you with that kind of mindset? Mm, yeah, yes, definitely. So we have two fantastic one, Leo Nilsson and Caroline Ingeborn, as I mentioned earlier. And, you know, they have experienced growth from something small to something really big. So definitely they are part of that. They also help us both are very strong kind of product wise. So they both help us on the product thesis and understanding, okay, is this really something that sits well with users? But I would say, you know, having two entrepreneurs who are part of the daily discussions almost is super helpful because they always bring in that, you know, flip side or a controversy into the discussion, which is so helpful for the team. And especially Caroline, who has done the exact journey that I described before that started off with a company based in Sweden and then took it to San Francisco. So she has done the whole journey of of going from Sweden, Europe to the US. And that is also something we we want to envision for our companies. And that might seem like a very long journey when you're sitting there with your scrappy MVP, selling to a few of your kind of local friends. But that's, you know, having that ambition is an important contrast to the day-to-day work. And it's also something we see with great entrepreneurs. Like, can you keep talking about the, the day-to-day in a reasonable way? But at the same time, juggling the long-term vision, that is something we usually try to look for as well. So one thing that I've noticed in our discussion is that we've just really focused on Vietnam, but I'm guessing that there was a few things before that. So I wanted to cover those (laughs) few things because I think it's important to understand your whole employment journey to date. Yeah, so I, I started off, actually, I'm a med school dropout, if we go back to the, to the beginning. Started off studying med school and for various personal reasons, uh, decided to not pursue that and decided to study engineering instead. So that was a complete contrast, but a very good you know, transition now uh, in, in hindsight. And then was thinking about, should I join consultancy or should I join like a big corporate? What should I do? And then this opportunity of, uh, of joining as a chief of staff occurred. And I felt it was a very exciting role to get coming straight out of a university. Having someone who has worked in the industry for many, many years, like the CEO that I worked with had, and uh, someone who was also very well respected within the space, learning how he is looking at a team, how he is running a company. And um, that was a very exhilarating journey for me. So um, no, that, that was what I did. And then I you know, didn't really fall in love with, with telcos, which is why I guess I 
decided to to move to Vietnam. And go- going back to the um, the chief of staff role, because I found mm-hmm. that position quite interesting because it can mean very different things from yeah. company yeah. to company. W- would you mind sharing a little bit about you know what your sort of day to day responsibilities were as a chief of staff? Mm, no, that, that, that's a very good question. And one of the things I'm very happy about was that uh, we were kind of a three person team, like a triangle. So it's, it's the CEO, it's myself and his executive assistant. So it was all of us three. And I'm very glad that it, no, there was an executive assistant in the formula, because otherwise, I guess it's easy to turn into an executive assistant when you are a chief of staff. But, but then again, you do these kind of haphazard things of picking up a car at the washer or, you know, fixing something that is broken in, you know, in the, in the person's work setup. So you do do these things as well. But most of the time, at least for me, I spent preparing board material, representing him in meetings where he couldn't attend, um, making sure that, you know, everything was aligned between different stakeholders in the leadership team. So it was very much around picking up the ball where he couldn't and doing things to be kind of, yeah, an extension to him, basically. Got it, got it. Interesting. And I guess working so closely with the CEO also must have added to this sense of empathy that you described earlier in, in your role now at Creandum. Yeah, so I think the combination actually humbled me significantly because when you come straight out of university, you are filled with these kind of ideas of how to do things. And then you start working and realize, okay, this is how the real world looks like. But sometimes it's also easy to be kind of a backseat driver, even for someone who is like a CEO, you still think, wow, maybe I would have done it differently, or I wonder why he did it in this way for this particular situation. And then you, you know, become a founder yourself or CEO yourself, and you realize, okay, this was actually pretty hard. And I now can look back to some of the decisions that he did and and realize, oh, now it it makes perfect sense, or okay, I might have done it differently, but I still understand his, his reasoning much better. So I think the whole process in itself was very humbling and, yeah, definitely given, given me a lot of empathy for being a founder. Right. Yeah. Is that something that you, you think you would go back to in future? Or are you sort of thinking, you know, now I'm, I'm going to do this VC thing for the next, <laughs> next decade? Um, or, or do you still have a bit of a pull towards starting your own business again? So as, as I wrote about in, in my blog post, one of the things that is very hard about venture is the long feedback cycles. And if you are a person like, like I am, who loves getting results, getting feedback, iterating, doing that again, over and over again, it's, you know, venture is tough. You have to find your own ways of creating feedback cycles that are shorter, but it's definitely, you know, one of the benefits of doing in a more operational role is you can test things, especially in startups, right? You can test things, they're scrappy, you can see, does this work? Okay, it didn't, I need to do something else. So it's this constant ideation, which I love. So I wouldn't say, you know, I need to be in venture my whole life. I really love it now, but it's so thrilling to be in an early startup as well. Like there's yeah, the energy in an early startup is is intense. And if you're the kind of person who loves that, then it's always alluring to go back to, I guess. Mm, no, definitely. I think the difference between someone working in VC and working in a startup is very, very different. But there are some similarities in that you're constantly learning, but in a completely different way. Mm. If you're in VC, it's more about business models and finding connections. And then with startups, it's building something, it not working and then trying to, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's very different. But 
just again bringing back to that point of what I really like about Creandum thesis it's it's trying with your argument of why we should invest in thinking more like how you would be as a as a startup as an entrepreneur about the product and how mm. it will be looking like in the future and how you guys as investors can get them there which mm. I, I really like but perhaps we can discuss more good qualities in a VC individual um, a bit later but I thought perhaps Petra we should move on to question time yes question time in time. Question time. We, need, we need a jingle at some point. We do. You want my voice. Don't, don't ask me to make it. I'm a terrible musician. Oh. Ask someone else. No. You could um, be a season five legacy. You started I, would want, I would want that though. Cool. Okay. So question time. Um, quick fire questions. No long thinking. The first thing that comes to your mind, we will start with one of my favorites, which is if you were to start your own fund, what would you call it? Greenhouse Ventures. Great. <laughs> Greenhouse. I like that. Do you think you would do like climate oriented stuff or like foodie stuff? No, but I definitely think, and I, I should not be speaking about this because Ines in our team is much more knowledgeable within this space, but I, I definitely, you know, port, supporting him from the sideline and the work that she's doing around Creandum, looking into more climate tech. I think it's, it's one of those models that can become like the perfect merge between both, you know, financial incentives, but also much wider uh, applicable and important and you know world changing incentives so yeah that's definitely and and i guess also greenhouse for for pushing up great entrepreneurs and making them yeah. grow and become fantastic i like that it has like a nurturing <laughs> sort of yeah. vibe yeah. to it nice yeah. greenhouse ventures guys <laughs> yeah no i like it and plus i think all like the seed something exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's already taken yeah <laughs> i like how you've gone like more like broad spec <laughs> <laughs> all the seeds been taken, so I'm taking the whole green. I think exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then um, the second one is, which is also something that I am curious about because I'm trying to get more of these in my day-to-day -day use, is what is your favorite productivity tool at work? Mm. And I, I could speak about productivity forever, which is the count, you know, count the reaction to being productive is speaking about it forever. Um, but uh, no, I, I have to say Amy because it's a portfolio company, but I also want to say Amy because I love it. Uh, so it's, I don't know how you work with productivity. I work a lot, you know, with, within my calendar, mm. slotting, you know, okay, this time is used for speaking to Petra and Francesca and, um, and maybe after this working with, a DD deal. So I have a colored map of my entire week in my calendar. And mm. that's how I work. And that's also how Amy is supporting me because it's basically like a superhuman for your for your calendar. Mm. So do you blot out also time for you to just like work on something? So it's like, yeah. okay, cool. That's yeah. what I've been experimenting with. I, I find it super, I find it super helpful. Yeah, yeah. I, I slot out everything, so I'm a bit maybe too into my calendar. I slot in, you know, walk, walking with my dog and, <laughs> and you know, um, cooking food or whatever. I slot everything in there because it just makes it a prioritization in a, in a much better way than working with a to-do list. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you guys are, but when I have a to-do list, I cross out the easy things first yeah, yeah. with the satis satisfaction of crossing out things on a list. And then I leave the hard parts 
and never do them and they just keep piling up yeah but if you work with your calendar and I, I can talk about this as I said for hours on end but if you work on your with your calendar and say okay now I need to do these hard things in these hours I find it much easier to actually do them great really nice um, I've, I've been tracking Amy for a while now. Mm. Is it still in beta mode or are more people allowed to onboard and get more productive um, <laughs> at the moment? Yeah, no, it's still, it's, uh, it still isn't launched. So it's still okay. the wait list, but okay. uh, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's coming along. Exciting yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of kind of wait lists and things that are coming, um, are you guys hiring at the moment or thinking of hiring at the moment we have kind of a continuous hiring process of interns that is always ongoing so we have it open at all times but I guess now is actually the prime time to apply so uh, I, I would really encourage anyone who's looking to join or break into VC through an internship to apply uh, at this at this point in time and I guess you know there's a few few easy suggestions of things you can do to really make your CV stand out. Or for us, we have this question that is a screening question where you are to pick one early stage company and describe why you would invest in that company. Uh, so if, if you know, people are listening to this and wanting to join a few bullets of you know, pick, pick something that is indeed early stage, try to find something that you are really excited about. And it's not only like a buzzword, don't pick a company that you are currently working at because of course we want you to be able to source and find those deals where where you go outside of your original network or maybe you know dive through your original network and um, I have a kind of non-linear path into VC I think we're looking for all types of of people both the ones who have more traditional backgrounds but also those who have less traditional backgrounds like myself. Nice. And and what kind of characteristics are you looking for in that individual? Like not mm. just background yeah, yeah. and ability to source, but, yeah. but what else? Yeah. So um, we really like people who can show that they have some sense of risk because on a daily basis, you as an investor would take risk and you work with entrepreneurs who is, you know, definitely taking risk with their time and their money and their effort and their intellect. So when I screen through applicants, I love to see if they've done something that's a little bit out there. It doesn't have to be starting a company and failing or starting a company and succeeding. It can be having a passion project that, that you do with this podcast. Like you, you throw yourself out there and do something that's a little bit extraordinary. That's that's something I love. And uh, I know I know a lot of people are speaking about uh, doing like angel investing before you break into VC, which I think is, is very hard for a lot of people who, don't, you know, who doesn't have that economic background to do angel investing. But on the other hand, you can do like you can have your dream portfolio and you can do it virtually, like with building up stuff that are not, you know, you're not physically doing, doing investments, but just thinking about which companies would I want to invest in. Or picking out, I don't know, stock picking is, is actually an also good kind of alternative to show some risk-seeking behavior. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, but a few, a few dollars into companies that you believe in and being able to speak about those in an intellectual way, I think are specific things you can do to, to at least catch my, my attention. Mm, that's fantastic tips there. And is that uh, internships in uh, Sweden or is that mm. also in Germany? Yeah, it's, it's two positions. So one is in Stockholm and one is in Berlin. But I think for the past years, obviously been remote. So let's mm -hmm. see what happens. But I guess we would want to have people who are considering at least or can consider living in Stockholm and, and Berlin. 
Awesome. Just one more question from us. How do people get in contact with you? Obviously, you're looking for an intern, but are there mm. any other people you'd like to reach out to you? I'm, I'm, I think I'm very easily approachable. So you can either find me on Twitter under Axelia Klein. I try to answer all my DMs. You can also find my email in my, my bio there. So you can just easily send something over. I try to take time to actually speak to people that reach out and want like 15 minutes or so for some discussions. But sometimes... I, I don't have time and I might try to answer over email, but at least my intention is to always answer everyone who, who reach out to me, who wants help in breaking into VC. So definitely, you know, we can just, they can just reach out. Amazing. And any founders, like, is there any sectors that you're particularly interested in? Mm. Founders should reach out yeah. to you? Yeah. Uh, so I'm very much looking into uh, the kind of next gen of e-commerce. So social shopping, uh, you know, being being able to monetize as an influencer so kind of the mashup between influencers and retailers so everything you know in that space please please reach out amazing um well thank you so much for your time as it's clear to me and i'm sure petra after chatting to you we couldn't have had a better guest our hypothesis was correct <laughs> um, i'm glad so to thank hear. you so much for joining it was so us. nice being here to, with you today as well Thank you so much to Vieta and of course to all of our listeners for tuning in again. As always, you can tweet us at associated underscore pod or you can send us an email to associatedpodcast at gmail.com. We always get very excited for your comments and emails. So keep them coming and definitely check out Vieta's blog, which we'll be posting on our Twitter feed. Bye.